Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful time of worship, wasn't that? Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you so much for having us and being so kind to our team and taking care of us and feeding us lots of meat. I do see through you guys, though. I just need you to know that I know what you're planning. It's not going to happen. Um, you're, not, you're not taking them. They're, they're mine. Um, so, but anyway, thank you so much for your kindness, and uh, it's always just so much fun to be with you. It feels like we haven't been here forever. How are you, man? <laughs> you guys being with us in the village, that was the last, and then it just got really wild, 2023. Wasn't it a wild year so far? Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Yeah. And um, I'm really trusting that somehow the stuff I want to say is going to come out in a coherent way. If it does, I'm going to be very grateful, and then I know the Lord is in it. But we were sitting talking the whole day, and uh, as we're talking, things are just coming out of my heart. So I'm going to try and relate that in a way that hopefully helps. So I hope it helps. That's all I can say. Uh, so we're, we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, and it has been an interesting year. A lot's been going on. Um, it's different than the year before. And he, we're, we're definitely in a transition. Do you agree? The Lord is doing some very interesting things among us, yeah. And uh, he's setting us up for something. I don't know what the something is. Cody asked me in the car, what do you think the Lord's doing in the body? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Wish I did. I see uh, glimpses, and I'm, I'll share the glimpse with you. And then hopefully it helps us and encourages us. I can't believe I'm doing this, but it's happened. So I wrote a book. It's called Three Thevers, right? It's a revelation of God's design for finishing strong. And um, if you guys are interested, because it does tie into what I'm sharing today, it will be there at the back. And it's a practical thing that's supposed to teach you about intimacy with God. Um, just how do I walk intimate with the Lord? Um, how do I do my calling? How do I do family, marriage, children, those kind of things? Because I think it matters if we want to finish strong, right? Um, so hopefully it, it can help you on this journey and I think in all of this, just looking at the year 2023, it's been like a, I, at one point I looked at Maurice, I said, I feel like somebody threw me in a dark room and they're beating me from every side because I don't know what the heck's going on. This is weird, right? It's just like, what in the world is going on? You know, it, it is such a bizarre season in the Lord and I've been fighting it. Um, kicking and screaming, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been kicking and screaming a little bit, going, I don't like this. This is not what I want. I want something else. But the, more, but the more I'm doing it, the more I feel like the Lord is saying, listen, this is me. And I'm, I, my words to Cody was the other day, it feels like he's recalling the army. Right? He's, he's recalling the body of Christ back to a certain place because there's a massive deployment coming. Okay? There's, there's something that he's up to, and I don't feel like he's very clear on it, and probably on purpose, right? But he's, def, he's busy with something in the body of Christ, and he's pulling us into a certain place, repositioning us 
maybe saying to us as the church, hey guys, it, it was fun, the season that we had, but I think there's a better way to do this thing for this specific season. There's something different for this hour, for all the craziness that's going on all around the world, all the madness, and God is going, I want to give you, and, and it's so funny because we, we love uh, Isaiah 43, behold, the Lord is doing a new thing. We love that the old is gone, the new is here, you know, that old thing. We love that until he does the new thing. And we're all like, oh, no, we don't like that. You know, it's like, I like the old thing. This new thing is uncomfortable. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't fit into my grid of what I feel my walk with the Lord should look like, right? What ministry should look like, what ministry to the world. And I'm not talking about pulpit. I'm just talking about life, right? What does that look like? And now he's shaking it up and we're all going, I don't like it. Well, maybe you loving it. I'm going, oh, I don't like this. Like, I like the old way. It was fun. It made sense in my head. It made sense. Yet, if I look at the fruit, I have to go, maybe the fruit wasn't that great. And I would love better fruit. I don't know about you. I would love to be more effective in whatever we're doing. That would make me happy. Like less input, more output, that kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Just, just more accurate. I'm not talking laziness. I'm talking accuracy. Just accuracy in what the Lord has for us. And what He's doing with us and what I've been feeling, I've been preaching this stuff the last two, three years, just this intimacy message that just got a hold of my heart in a whole new way. And it's not left me. And I've been on this thing, preaching, preaching. And I would say to Maurice, I wish I could just sit in a room and pray. And now, guess what? He threw me into a room, and I can just pray. And I find it difficult. <laughs> because there's stuff out there to do, right? And it feels weird, although I love it. I love being in the presence. But there's a side of us that, is, that I realized in me. Maybe you guys are super not in that boat, so well done. But there's a side of me that still looks at output and measures my metrics in the Lord is still a little bit distorted. So what I see as ministry and what I'm doing now doesn't completely line up with my little box, right? But He's the Lord, and whatever He wants to do, He's going to do that. And if this is what He's doing now, then, then I should just surrender and enjoy it and submit to it and go, I don't know what you're doing, but we're doing it. Right? But we're doing it. The scripture that I'm going to touch on, you can open your Bibles in Amos uh, chapter 9. So there's only one structure, there's only one Old Testament structure that is ever referred to in the New Covenant where, where scripture says that God wants to restore that structure. Only one, right? Only one thing that was built, a physical structure that was built in the Old Testament, and it's the only one that's referred to, and God says, I'm going to restore that. I believe that's what he's busy doing, by the way. So in Acts chapter 15, okay, let's not get ahead of myself. Amos 9. Okay, go to Amos 9. Are you there? Amos, the, the minor prophets are tough. Just take your time. I know it takes a while. Like you. <laughs> Too many little names back there, and like, ah. Oh. Are you there? Verse 9, chapter 9, verse 11. It says, In that day I shall raise up and restore the fallen tabernacle of David. 
and wall up its breaches and the city walls. I will also raise up and restore its ruins and rebuild it as it was in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that are, that are called by my name, says the Lord who does this. So Amos prophesies that there's this structure that is coming. Something is going to be restored, and it's called the Tabernacle of David, right? So Amos prophesies this before the coming of Christ. This thing will be restored, the Tabernacle of David. We'll get into that a little bit deeper now. In Acts chapter 15, there's a, a church, the Disenuida, the, there's a church council meeting. Because lo and behold, something happened. The Gentiles are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this does not sit well with the religious Jewish group, right? They're going, this is not for them, it's really just for us, right? I know no church around here ever does it or in the new, we, we don't do that. We're never like, this is for us and not for you. I know we're not like that, right? But they had a moment where they felt, this is just for us. The glory is just for us. Yeah, the visitation is just for us. We're not sharing it, right? And now the Holy Spirit, for some reason, seems like He doesn't care because He's sharing it. He's going to do whatever He wants to do. So He's sharing it. Gentiles are getting born again. Gentiles are getting filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and moving in miracle signs and wonders. And the guys go, nope, this doesn't sit well. So the Jerusalem Council comes together, the apostles. Peter starts testifying. He's saying, listen, this is what's happening, right? Cornelius' family, I mean, he says, you remember I had a vision, by the way. I had a trance. The Lord said, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to use you for it. So eat what he said before you. And I said, no, it's unclean. You all, you know, he's like, you remember that story? And, and, then, and then, then you know what happened. I went to Cornelius' house. I spoke about Jesus, right? He just spoke about Jesus. And the next minute, the Holy, Holy Spirit falls in the place and everybody gets baptized and filled with the Spirit. That's the story. He says... That was not me doing it. That's Peter's point. It's not my fault. This was Jesus. This was God's doing, right? Then Paul gets up and he says, listen, Paul and Barnabas, they start testifying. Gentiles are getting born again, right? This is happening. God is moving sovereignly among them. This is not our fault. And James, the leader of the council, he jumps up and he says, guys, this is the Lord. It's like we can see this is the Lord. And then he quotes, of all the scriptures and prophecies he could choose, where does he go? Amos chapter 9, he says, this is what the Lord said. I will restore, rebuild the tabernacle of David. And you go, what? Why the tabernacle of David? What the heck is the story with the tabernacle of David? Right? We all know David is a man after God's own heart. But why is this structure? He's not interested in the tabernacle of Moses. He's not interested in Solomon's temple, which is crazy because that was David's dream. It's profound. David had a dream. I want to build you a temple. And the Lord says, it's not for you. It's for your son. Why? Because there's a legacy in David that could not be distorted by a structure that was not what the heart of the Lord had for new covenant people. Do you understand? David lived in a new covenant reality, even though he was in the old covenant, and God said, you're not building that thing. You're not building that thing because I want to restore the tabernacle. Right? Amos 9, I will restore the tabernacle of David. So I hope you have a lot of time because this might take a little bit of effort to get there. Is that okay? Are you still patient? In 1 Chronicles 13 to 16, right? This is where you read the story 
of the birth of the tabernacle of David. So it's very interesting to go and study that. So we all know the story. It's where they, it's beautiful because they find, David goes one day and he's like, where's the ark, right? Why is the ark not in the city of David? Why is it not the centerpiece of the nation? The ark representing what? Presence. The glory of the Lord, right? And David goes, why do they have it? We need to get that thing back. So he brings it back. We all know the story. They do it wrong. Uzzah, his friend, touches it. He drops dead. And everybody is in fear. David is like, you know, he's actually upset with God. Because he's like, why would you do that? Because Uzzah just touched the glory. The point is, don't touch the glory. Don't touch the glory. Don't touch it, right? Just don't. Don't. Don't touch the glory. Back off. And if he's going to pour out revival, we must learn how to back off. If we are contending for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, we must learn how to do this and understand the protocols of God when it comes to the glory because they were protocols and they didn't follow it. There, were a, there was a way to carry the ark and they didn't figure it out. They didn't study the Scriptures. And Uzzah dies. Friends, there's a way in the Lord. There's a way in the Lord to host the presence, to host the manifestation of who He is. There's a way. And unless we are studying the Scriptures, we will mess it up. Right? There's a way. And it's not this religious thing. It's holy it's honoring unto the Lord, and he's looking at that. And we must find his way in carrying what he's doing in this season. Because our way might end up you dead next to the glory. Right? We must find his heart. How do you do this? David is offended, but then he realizes, oops, it was us. There's a way to carry this thing. There's a way to carry the presence. What is the way, by the way? It's a couple of Levites. People that minister only unto the Lord with poles on their shoulders. Kind of resembles another story that we know about a man with poles on his shoulders walking up a hill, doesn't it? Poles on the shoulder, not touching it, but it's worshipers of God. They get to carry it. Lovers of the presence, honoring the presence, they get to carry it. There's a way. There's a heart that the Lord is looking for. David was a king, but he was a worshiper. He had a Levite heart. And he's allowed to touch something nobody else is allowed to touch. Okay? But the point is, the ark needs to get back to the city. That was the goal. First Chronicles 13 to 16. This happens. The guy dies. They're like, we're out of here. <laughs> if I look at the first guy they can find. Okay, you, Obed-Edom. You, Gittite. He's not even an Israelite, by the way. He's a heathen. Now, that's an interesting story. We'll get back to that in a minute. He's a heathen. Gittite, right? He's like, I'll take it. Right? 
I'm taking Ariel's message. Don't tell her she might get a big head, you know. He's like, I'll take it. This guy just died, and he's like, no, put it in my house. It's okay. Huh. Okay. Brave man. And he says, no, put it in my house. I'm fine. This is the point, what she made. It's a good point, so I'm preaching that. The point is God is looking for households, families that will host the presence. That's where it will start. Families that will host it before it goes to a national level. Because it's going to a national level soon, but it's starting in little households, companies of people that says, we'll keep this thing. I saw that guy die, but I'm willing to take a risk. So the fear of the Lord is on Obed-Edom, and he says, bring it into my house. I'll do it. I'll do it. David goes back to city of David. He figures out this thing, and he's going, this is scary. But then, I don't know how it happened, but Obed-Edom gets blessed out of his socks. Like the blessing is flowing for three months into this guy's house. Why? Because the glory is there. Some of us, maybe the blessing is not there because the glory is not there. Maybe we're not hosting the presence well enough in our own personal capacities. Are you hearing me? There's something about a priority of the presence that actually draws the favor and the blessing of the Lord. So he gets so blessed, David looks at it, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I want that. (laughs) Bring that thing here. Study the books, figure it out. Anyway, we all know the story. The the ark goes in, he dances, his wife is upset, the whole, you know, blah, 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 lots in there, I'm not getting to all of it. And finally, the ark is set and a tent is put around it and it's called the Tabernacle of David. And it's the birthplace of 24-7 prayer and worship, right? The beautiful thing about this tent is what made it different than all the other structures is there, there was no courts, no division. There wasn't an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. There was just a tent and the glory. That's all. It's a new covenant reality. Because who is our tent? John 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh. That word means flesh. And he dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. So our tabernacle, we're not looking for the tent of David. Our tabernacle is Christ himself. And through the broken body and the blood, we have access into the tent, the tabernacle, the true tabernacle of David, which is the worship of Jesus without hindrance without any veil in front of us. It was the heart of Jesus, John 4, and there will be a company of worshipers that will worship in spirit and truth with no hindrance because it's this open arena because the veil has been ripped and we're in the Holy of Holies. You are there. I am there. This is our place. We don't worship from the outside in, although there's process. I talk about it. But there's process, but we're actually worshiping in front of the ark. We're worshiping in front of the very throne of God consistently if we can just get that into our heads. There is no veil. There is no court. And this is what the Lord wanted to restore is the tabernacle of David, right? It's a place where people come and it's unveiled worship, undignified, unto the glory and the presence of the Lord. And this is what they did 24-7. 24-7 for 33 years. This got birthed in this moment. And the Lord says, I don't want to restore the tabernacle of Moses. I don't want to restore Solomon's temple. I want to restore the tabernacle of David. Right? 
it's important to him. Doesn't matter if it's important to us. He cares. He says, this is what I want to do. Right? I want to restore this structure where people would sit, behold the ark. We don't have an ark. We have a king. And we behold the king. The presence is not a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus. It's not a thing. It's a person. The presence is him. Right? And we behold Jesus, and that's what we do. We dwell on him and in him. We gaze upon him. We meditate upon him. The one thing that David wrote about in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask, one thing I desire, not a second thing, not a third thing, just one thing, I, that I may dwell, that I may gaze, that I may meditate upon the Lord. And that is the tabernacle. And they're sitting there and David goes, you, you, this family, this family, this family, you will take this time, you'll take this time, you'll take this time in the day, you'll take this time in the day, worship. Worship. And don't stop. Sing to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Be quiet in front of the Lord. Minister to Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the King. It's everything unto Jesus. And that is what you keep on doing. And when do you stop? You don't. Don't stop. Keep doing it. And God looks at that structure. And in the new covenant, he goes, this is what I want to restore. Jesus' own words. Mark 11. My house shall be called what? A house of? Prayer. How popular is prayer meetings in the church world? If we invite a prophet, church is full. If we call a prayer meeting, meh. Not so much. Right? Prayer has become this fearful word in our language because we made it something that it's not. It's relational, it's communication, and prayer just looks like what we did just now for an hour. Was that hard? That wasn't hard. That was just praying. I'm just pouring everything out on the Lord, and then maybe along the way I'll say something. But I'm just pouring my heart onto Jesus, and I just keep doing it. And I'm just singing these songs over and over, singing the same phrase over and over. Think about it. 33 years, 24-7 worship, there's 150 psalms. Now, do the math. They were singing those songs quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, same song. Over and over. Same prayer. Over and over and over. And we go, oh, that's boring. We should stop singing that song. Why? Are you tired or is he tired of it? Because if he's not tired, keep singing. If he's not frustrated, keep going. If he's loving it, learn to love it. If he's saying this is important, then do it. He needs to be pleased, not you and me. He must be pleased. It's an aroma, it's a fragrant offering unto him. Not unto us. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. What a beautiful song. What does that look like? The fragrance of our prayers that starts rising up out of us because we've been soaked in that atmosphere of presence and the Lord sits in heaven and he... 
I don't know what he does, but he just whips it up and he, and he smells the incense of our prayers, your heart poured out in, before the Lord. He said himself, it's not about re re repetitive words when you pray. It's not about that. He's not looking at that. He says the Father knows what you want even before you ask. So what is he looking for? A heart. A heart that's devoted, a heart that goes, I give it to you. My focus, my thoughts, my intentions, I give it to you. I set my mind on you. That's what David would do over and over in the Psalms. I set my mind on you. I meditate in the night. It was a heart that is fixed on the Lord. It wasn't about what you said that much as it was about what was living inside of your heart for the Lord. And the Lord says, that pleases me. That pleases me. A place of worship where we come and the altar of his praise is just being filled. Because what does Psalm say? Psalm 22, is it verse 7 or verse 3? I always mess it up. It says he inhabits the praises of his people, right? We know that verse. So what does that mean? As we stand around this glory, which you might not see right now, and that's okay, but we center our lives around Jesus. We don't sing songs about our troubles and our problems and our, we sing songs about who he is. We worship up. We worship up. And as we do that, we're creating this tabernacle and we're standing around the glory. And as we do it, what happens? He inhabits the praises. So it's like we establish the throne of God in the midst of Kokstad. Because he appeared to Moses where? Above the ark, above the cherubim, overlooking the mercy seat. The mercy seat is covered by Jesus, thank you. But he appears above that because that's the throne of God. That's the place where he speaks from, is in the midst of those cherubim, right? Sitting over the ark, covering the presence, covering the mercy seat. And he's looking for people that will do exactly what they do. Cover the glory of the Lord. Cover the throne of God with worship, with praise, with adoration. And the more we do it, the more he manifests in the midst of it. And he says, I have found a dwelling place. I have found a dwelling place. And everything about that tent was about him and not about us. They didn't sacrifice goats and sheep there. That was not the place for that. There was another place for that. This place was adoration. This place was awe and wonder. This place was the one he desires. The one he deserves. The king who gave everything and he says, worship. Worship me. Worship me. And he says, I want to restore this thing. Then he goes on and he says, In that day I shall raise up and restore, verse 11 again, the fallen tabernacle of David. Quick picture of that, what that was. Was that helpful? Are you guys okay? And wall up its breaches in the city walls. I will also raise up and restore its ruins and rebuild it as it was in the days of old. Verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the, you need to hear this. He wants a tabernacle 
to be raised up so that the nations will be reached. He's raising up a tabernacle, a house of His glory and His presence so that the Gentiles will come in. It's evangelism. It's His mandate to say, this is what I want you to do because the story begins with Gentiles being saved and very confused and James go, oh, this is Amos chapter 9. It's the tabernacle. And because of that, Gentiles are coming in. He says, this is what I want to do. Friends, we are talking yesterday all day. I'm, we're on the streets. We're still doing it. I'm on the streets. We're ministering. We're doing it together as a team. They do not want to listen to us even in Duncan Village. I mean, we struggled to get somebody to stand still for five minutes the other day. They do not give a flip. Is that okay to say? I'm sorry. They don't. They're tired of people preaching at them. They're tired of all this stuff. They don't want it. So what do they want? I know what they need. They need an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ himself. And this whole tabernacle is about one thing. Jesus on the throne. And people come in and they see. And they see Jesus. They encounter Jesus. I say to Cody in the car, who the heck do you believe these days? You don't know who to believe anymore on the news. On the, you don't know. There's one truth and his name is Jesus. And they don't even want to listen to me about him. They need to encounter him. Right? We've got to create a space where they can actually feel the presence of the Lord. And they go, nobody told me, but I saw it for myself. By the way, that was Asbury. People just came here and they went, nobody preached. We will preach. Don't get me wrong. The word will remain. Don't get me wrong. But something about encountering Jesus for yourself turns a soul into a Paul on the road to Damascus. They don't want to listen. But if truth is central in everything, the person of truth, right? If he steps into the room, into the midst of whatever we do, and a people come and they can behold truth for themselves. Not out of my mouth, not out of your mouth, not out of a structure that they don't trust. They should, but they don't. That might just transform a people. When people start driving by here and they can see and feel the glory on this place and something happens and they go, I don't know what it is, but I'm drawn. I'm drawn to this. It's a different sound. The tabernacle of David was a place of prophetic worship. New songs unto the Lord. It was a place of freedom. It's a place where families served together. Families took watches together. This household and that household and this household. Sing. Worship. It was uniting families. It was uniting the body because Jesus is central. Truth is in the midst. This, it says Edom. Edom is Esau. Esau is the, Edom is the tribe that came out of Esau, right? Edom is seen as one of the biggest enemies 
of God. God says of Esau, Esau, I hated. It's rough. Esau, I hate. Malachi 1. But Jacob, I loved. The thing is, bugged me. It came to me last night. It's always bugged me because I know it's about the birthright. It's lentil soup, right? <laughs> it's eating that lentil soup, JD, and giving up your birthright. I know you didn't do that. Um, but it's, and I know God hates that, giving up your birthright. But I thought, it can't be just that because I get it. But, but yo, it's quite intense for God to say, this one I hate. But that one I love. And suddenly this thing came to me. What did Esau do? <laughs> Esau wanted to destroy the lineage of the promise, refusing to bow to the word of the Lord. He wanted to step into a place that didn't belong to him by the word, by destiny, it belonged to Jacob. And out of Jacob came Judah, and out of Judah came David, and out of David came Jesus eventually. And Jesus is the one that will crush the serpent and destroy the serpent. And what did Esau want to do? He wanted to hijack the lineage of Christ, right? Do you get that? He wanted to change God's way. So he's opposing the promise to come. And the only tribe that is mentioned by name that will come in is Edom. It's a representation of those that hates the gospel, that hates the word of the Lord. But the Lord says, when I raise up this tabernacle, even Edom will come in. That's got to encourage us, guys. Even Edom will come in. When the tabernacle is raised up and this thing is running and truth is in the center of it all, the person of Christ, and they encounter Jesus. He says, this will be the key. It's the heart of worship, the devotion. And he says, and then all nations will come. Now, I don't believe we're going to sit on our behinds every day, forever. You will go out. David went out. The army went out. But that thing kept burning. That thing did not stop burning. There was a priesthood that kept that fire going throughout every war, throughout every battle, throughout every conflict. That's what we need right now. I need 24-7 worship and prayer behind me. I want to be part of it too. I listened to something in the Passion Translation yesterday. Isn't it the most beautiful thing? It says to the widows, the older people. I thought that's a beautiful thing. But widows specifically, he says, you are now God's missionaries. Devote yourself to prayer. And I'm thinking, why are we not seeing an older generation mobilized and saying, you are going to watch this thing and you're going to keep this fire burning in prayer 24-7. This is what you're going to do. Mobilize them. Mobilize them. Mobilize the body of Christ into something where this fire keeps burning. And he says, even Edom, my enemy will come in. Even Edom. In Revelation chapter 3, are you still okay? Is this making any sense? Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to touch on it quickly. I don't want to read all of it. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus speaks to the church in Philadelphia from verse 7, right? And he, he starts it. It's so interesting. He starts and he says, write the following. I'm reading out of the Passion. I hope that's okay. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Philadelphia. For these are the solemn words of the Holy One. Listen to these words. The true one, truth, we spoke about truth. The truth one who has David's 
key. Right? What is the key of David? Is it not the tabernacle? Is it not the heart of worship? It's that key. And he says, and we all know what that key does. Isaiah 22, 22. It's the key that opens and no one can shut. That shuts and no one can open. Jesus is the door, right? So what does worship do? Worship is the key to step into that door, which is Christ. And suddenly we're in inheritance, right? We're in the fullness. It's the key. It's the key to pull heaven into this realm. And heaven, the kingdom opens up in a person because it's him. It's in him. And he says, I have the key of David. Who? The true one. They need truth. The world needs truth. They are confused out of their minds. The stupidity that's going out there is fascinating to watch, but it is sickening at the same time. It is sickening at the same time. But when truth can step into the realm through that key of David, maybe, just maybe, they turn. By the way, Obed-Edom, interesting, his name is the servant of Edom. Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. The servant of the one that God hated. And he goes, put the box in my house, please. And this is my five cents, maybe I'm wrong, but Gittites don't become Levites. A Gittite's a Philistine. A Levite, you are by birth. And then you read this story and suddenly you see Obed-Edom and his family are part of the Levitical order. If that is not transformation, the servant of the enemy, hosts the presence, and after three months, they become gatekeepers to the ark. They step into a Levitical order. A Gittite is not supposed to do that according to my limited knowledge. That is transformation. That's what we want. We want them to come in. And this is what this thing says, the key of David, I have it. And then he goes, verse 8, I know all that you've done. Now I have set before you a wide open door that none can shut. Isn't that beautiful? That door which is Christ. And we go into Christ through what? The key of David. And he says, for I know that you possess only a little power, yet you've kept my word and haven't denied my name. Anybody feels like that maybe? Little power. When we look at what's happening around us, it feels limited. It feels limited, doesn't it? We know there's more, but it's like, oh, how do we access? How do we step into that thing? And he says, but you've kept my word faithful. Nothing helps you keep the word like the presence, by the way. Because the word and the presence together is life and it's strength. And these words become alive in the presence, right? And he goes, because you've kept my word. Watch, now listen to this. Watch how I deal with those of the synagogue of Satan. I don't know who they are, but that's a pretty wicked church to be in. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound like a bunch of nice people. The synagogue of Satan. For Jesus to say that's the synagogue of Satan, it sounds like a rough bunch. I don't know about how you feel, right? It sounds like they might be opposing the gospel. I don't know. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? Looking at the world going, whoa. I can see who's influencing you, <laughs> and it's not the light. <laughs> he says, 
watch what I do with the synagogue, with those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews, but they are not. For they're lying. I will make them, listen to this, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and acknowledge how much I've loved you. Did you hear that? I will make them come and bow down at your feet and show them that they will acknowledge how much I have loved you. And it starts with the key of David. And he says, I will make them come because they will encounter me. They will encounter my presence. I don't know what he's doing. I'm not 100% sure, but I do feel this right now. I do feel that the Lord is breathing on this thing of worship and worship and worship more and prayer and worship and prayer and worship and more prayer and more worship. Because what else are you going to do with your time? Is there something better that we can do right now? Because he said, if the Son of Man is lifted high, all men shall be drawn unto him. That's Jesus speaking. That's what he said. If the Son of Man is lifted high, all men shall be drawn unto him. And what if this is a season of lifting him? And it's birthing a foundation in the body of Christ that will sustain us for the next 30, 40, 100 years. A different foundation. My house will be a house of prayer. It will be a house of prayer. Friends, we will go out. We will go out from here. I promise you, you're going to go out. He will send you. There will be missions. There will be outreach. There will be church plants. But it's going to start in a house of prayer. It's going to start in that tabernacle watching him and going, I only do what I see my father do. And if he's not doing anything, I'm doing nothing except this. Except this. Psalm 132, it's David's, Solomon writes it about David. And he says, Lord, do not forget my father, David. Do not forget his suffering, the price that he paid, what he did. And how David said, I will not rest my eyes until I've created a dwelling place for the Lord. He's looking for a dwelling place. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's looking for a resting place. And yes, he's found it in his ch children, but corporately, he needs to find it. Corporately, he needs to find it. David said, I will not rest until I find a dwelling place for the Lord. David thought it was bricks and mortar. And God said, no, it was the tabernacle all along. It was always the tabernacle. You got it. It was always there. Then that psalm goes on and it says, how we found the ark in the fields of Epaphra. Epaphra is Bethlehem. He retrieved the ark from Bethlehem, where the king would be birthed. Can anything good come from Bethlehem? Apparently it can.
Can anything good come from Coxstead, from East London, from Toboy, from the glory came? It's always been Jesus, the whole story. It's all about him. It's about this tabernacle of his body that's opened up, dwelling among us. And he says, come in, worship in spirit and truth. Lift me high and see how all men will be drawn unto me. And I will even make your enemies. I will even make the synagogue of Satan run and bow. I'm blabbering. Is that okay? There's a story. I cannot remember where it is. I know it's there at Book of Kings. I don't know who the king was. I don't know. So sorry. This is bad preaching. I did not think I'm going to talk about it. But Israel was fighting this king. Right? And Israel had the upper hand. They, they had the upper hand. And this king sees we are done. Right? He's obviously a heathen, wicked, evil thing. We're done. Right? And he goes and he's on the wall of the city... He sacrifices his son. Evil. Sacrifices his son for everybody to see. Right? And right there, Israel goes, Israel retreats fully. They see it and they pull back and they go, "Uh uh-uh, this is too much. We can't handle this. I want to twist the story. Can I twist it? That was evil. But there's something about wholehearted sacrifice unto the Lord that turns the tide of a war in the positive as well. There's something about people that pour out their lives unto the Lord. We don't, don't get me wrong. That pours out everything unto the Lord. And what is one of the greatest things we can give in this hour where everything is about money and it's time. Time. To sacrifice our time with the whole world watching going, this is what we're going to do. And it might just turn the tide if I look at scripture. And he will send us out. Don't worry, he's going to send you out. Don't think for a minute you're going to do this and you're not going somewhere. You'll be going places. But places will also be coming to you. Listen, we are so small. We started this a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're just praying, spending time with the Lord. We set up our garage, became a sailor. We call it a sailor center. And we're just sitting there praying. Just a lot. And it's awesome. You know what's happened? People are flying from all over the country, all over the world. And I say, we just want to sit there with you. And I'm going, we're not doing anything. We're not on outreach. Are you okay with that? We're like, yeah, we just want to be there. And they just sit and pray. There's more coming. They're already phoning. Like, we want to come. We had a guy flying just for one night. He just wanted to be there. One night. I mean, we are not that special. I can promise you that. Just one night. Why? Because the thought of just sitting there with no agenda no agenda. We don't even intercede sometimes. I'm sorry for the intercessors. I hurt your heart right now. We don't even intercede sometimes. We literally just sit and worship. And then sometimes something will come out and we'll start interceding and then we stop and we just do this again. You can ask them, the biggest battle we have is to get everybody back 
Like we're all going this way and then this one wants to pray for the sick and do this. And I love praying for the sick. You know me. That's my, I love that. Pray for the sick, pray for the broken heart. And we're all like, we love you, but no, let's go this way. Pull the whole thing back. And Nina and Maurice and the worshipers are like, I'm going to start over. Okay, here we go again. Don't do that. <laughs> we're just going to minister to him. And when we go out, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to raise the dead and we're going to heal and we're going to cast out demons. We're going to cleanse lepers and we're going to do all of those things. But the foundation must be this. This is the starting point. He said it himself. And we've talked about it for years. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. Why are we not physically creating a space for it? In an extreme way, a radical way, saying... This is it. And I know you guys live it. But can we do more? Can we do more? That's my heart. I hope it helps. I hope it stirs something in you. I hope it, I don't know. I'm scared preaching this because I'm going, Lord, I'm a go guy. So for me to say don't is hard. It really is hard. My biggest battle is overcoming the fact that I feel I'm not going. This is my internal conflict this whole year. It's like, why am I not going? And every time I think I have, because I have ideas, and tell them, but I have ideas, and every time I feel like, no, not now, just wait. Just wait. He says in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. What's the next thing he says to them? Wait in Jerusalem. Like, which way is it now? Go or wait? I don't know, Lord. And what happened? They waited. The Spirit came. 3,000 people get born again without going. They just waited. And the nations came to them. The nations came running. Right? Acts 13 verse 2. I'm going to finish with that. It says, And they ministered unto the Lord. They ministered unto the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. Out of this tabernacle, the first missionary journey starts. But it started there. Right? Guys, I want to, we, we've got to burn this fire for the Lord. I've got lots of other things to say, so I'm holding myself back now. We've got to be glorious. Do you hear me? We've got to shine the glory of the Lord. We must. The, the radiance of Him needs to be around us. Because right now they are not coming to us for advice. They're not. Right now the world is not lining up at our door going, help. But there were people that shone so brightly that they came. Solomon was shining so brightly in all his flaws that kings and kingdoms would come and say, what in the world's happening here? 
And you know what? All that Solomon had was the, was the, was the residue of a father that understood the presence in the person of David. All the grace on Solomon's life was produced by a generation before him. And he messed it up. We need to restore this thing. We need to restore this thing and say, Lord, it, it clashes with my understanding a little bit. But it's not the only thing we do, but it is the foundation of everything that we do. It makes sense? So I want to pray for you guys. I don't know. You want to say something? Because um, Henke's going to pray. But I, as he's talking, I'm taken back to 2006. And it matters to this family. And Derek and Jean were in Taka and they were about to set Bev and I in over that body and he was about to lay hands on us to shepherd that body. And it, he shared the word, I can't remember, I actually have got it written down there. The, it, that was not the point, but at the end of the, of the sharing, and this matters now because Henk is going to pray. He says to this entire company of people now, stand. And as we all stood up, he said, now I charge you before the presence of God. This one thing you will seek. My face, my glory, and my presence. He never said go and do this. He never said go and establish that. He never said go and minister there. He never gave anything other than this one thing. I charge you, this one thing you will do. And his heart was, if you do this one thing, all the other things will come to pass. Because whenever Jesus had got to a place where he needed the impetus to continue, he would say to his disciples, I'm going away to seek his face. And consistently out of that place, he chose his disciples. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cleansed the lepers, he cast out the demons, he established the kingdom, he discipled his disciples because he sought this one thing, the face of the Father. And I can remember standing at Bethel, it matters family. And, I, and I'm saying to the Lord, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he says, son, I want you to do this thing. Would you just stand and steward my presence? Don't do anything. Just stand 
Give me the space, the honor, the glory, the majesty. Family, I don't know whether you realize how the magnitude of this message this morning about the key of David, the tabernacle of David that will be restored. It's on this house. Hank, it's on your house. It is what God has asked you to do. It will lead to divine frustration. It will. Because this one thing you will do, my face, my glory, my presence, they're not the same thing. It's massive. My face, my glory, my presence. Out of that, everything. Everything you do will come out of that thing. And you know what, family, I'm asking you, that day, our spiritual dad made us all get up. I'm not sure we were all ready. <laughs> I really don't. And to get stand there and have that old finger say, I charge you before the Lord Jesus today that this one thing you will do. But what I'm going to ask is if something has stirred in your heart, because family, believe me when I tell you now, I'm not saying this lightly. It costs. It's not easy, is it, sir? There are times that you go there and you don't know what you're going to do. It literally requires a view to be prepared to give up. All that doesn't matter. So I'm not asking if you in your heart are not ready. And I'm not going to use the words, if this is not you, because that means that it won't be you. No, it will be you at some point. But if this point in time you are unable to stand and say, Lord, dim law, Here I am, send me, Lord. I'll do this thing. I really long for him to pray. It's something which shift in this charge that this one thing I will do. You will seek my face, my glory, my presence. This one thing. It's so beautiful because it's so simple. I'm not asking you to seek a dozen things. I'm not asking you to run a hundred miles. I'm not asking you to do all the, I'm just asking you to do this one thing for out of that place, everything, you will literally overcome nations. You will establish my kingdom. You will beat the enemy. You will bring those who belong to the enemy into my house, literally. This is the place of my empowering grace. <laughs> that phenomenal resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is found in this one 
place. My face, my glory, my presence. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have it. Don't go nowhere until you've received this. And where's it going to come from? My presence. And every time I'm going to move on you, it's because there was something about you ministering to me. So whether you are Paul and Silas or singing in the prison, I think it was them. Thank you for helping me, oh great theologian of God. Whoever it was, whether it was the building being shaken when they said, Lord, they don't want us to preach the gospel, but let us preach the gospel even more. But they were seeking that one thing. My face, my glory, my praise. If that's you, we want to pray for you. Would you stand? I don't know if this is what you had in mind, but that's what I felt. And you know what, family, there is going to be time. There is going to be time. I would really love Hank and his team to minister you for personal things if you need them. But this thing here is different. This is not that. This is a charge that the Lord says, I'm going to shift your heart. I'm going to do something inside of you so that you will long to love on me and look at me for the rest of your days. Yeah, let's just, let's just pray. Lord, I, as Rob is speaking, I'm reminded of, um, yeah, I'm reminded of James, Peter and John, guys, when the most important night in history, you know, we're in the garden. Jesus is going to go into intercession. Scripture says He's interceding for us right now. And He didn't ask anything of them. He didn't want them to draw the sword when the time came. He, did, he said one thing, just wait with me. Just wait with me. And every single time they fell asleep. And he's like, can you not even wait for one hour with me? And it's like, as Rob is speaking, I'm just thinking, can we just wait? Can we not fall asleep right now? When Jesus is busy interceding in heaven, that's what scripture says. He's, he's the great intercessor. Right now, he's interceding over our lives. And he might be ready to download stuff on the body that is profound, that's going to shape us, shift us in a different direction. And he's going, can you just wait with me for one hour? So Lord, I pray, I pray that we'll be able to wait. We'll be able to wait out the season with you. And even if it feels quiet, even if it feels strange, even if it feels different, there is no greater reward than to find you, Lord. And like Rob says, yes, it's hard, but it's also the greatest joy that we've had. It's just killing this flesh that just wants to run and run and run and run. But encountering you every day, just sitting in your presence, under your word, in worship, what better thing is there, Lord? Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your house, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. It's the glory, it's the presence, it's your face that we seek. It's your face we seek, Lord. And our hearts reply, your face I will seek. Your face I will seek. And I want to speak that into the soul, into the spirit of every person here. His face you will seek in the name of Jesus. His face you will seek in the name of Jesus.
I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, this face I will seek. My heart replies, I will seek your face. Lord, thank you that you have the key of David. He has the key of David's friends. Worshipping out of the flesh is going to kill us, but getting the key from Him, now that's going to release a sound and a song in heaven that will plow that field as we said earlier. So Lord, I pray that You release the key of David upon us in a fresh way, upon this house, this company of people, upon us as individuals, our families, our homes, Lord, my wife, my kids, my husband, Release the key of David in my house, Lord, my residency. Release the key of David over the church. Release it over the body of Christ in South Africa, Lord. We pray, release it in a fresh way. And Lord, we see the synagogue of Satan bowing. We see them coming in. Because the presence is lingering and it's mighty and it's powerful and the Son of Man will be lifted. He will be lifted in my house. He will be lifted in our ministry. He will be lifted in this church. He will be lifted on the streets. And the songs of the redeemed will rise up. The song of the Lord will rise up. And heaven will come down. It will come down. Thank you, Lord. Keep your eyes closed. You know, in those villages, they do occasions when they do ceremonies. It's basically three straight days of worship. Did you hear me? For three days, they worship the dead. Feeding it, giving it food, sacrificing, bringing the family together from all over the nation to lift the demon. I'm telling you, the house of David, the tabernacle of David is important. We've got to out-worship that. It's not a competition, but do you hear me? We've got to set a higher standard. It's that king sacrificing his son on the wall and the people go, whoa. We've got to sacrifice much bigger, much bigger, our whole hearts to the Lord. Where they go, oh no, this is scary. This is scary. This church is on fire. These guys will give everything, all their time, all their money. They'll give everything unto the Lord. And that scares the living daylights out of us. They are inviting the King of Kings. The Lord of all creation is being invited in through our worship. Not the dead, not the demon spirits, not the idol spirits. No, we are going to out-worship because we have grace. The key of David has been deposited in our spirits. And the Lord will move in might and in power and He will be seated on the throne over this nation because His throne will be established. So Lord, I pray that Your throne will be pulled into this nation. Lord, You are always on the throne. You are forever in throne. There is no doubt about it. But that this nation will have a visitation of the throne of the Lord seated in the middle of a nation. In the middle of a nation and the glory just filling the land. And all the false worship will be pushed aside. The blood will nullify it. 
The blood will nullify it. But Lord, it will not be a declaration of the mouth only. It will be a demonstration of worship in spirit and truth. And the blood will cover. And the blood will cover. So Lord, I praise You for these houses of worship that is called the church all over the nations. It is the church. It is the body of Christ. It is the house of prayer. It is the church. That's what you said. And Lord, I pray, get our minds back into that place. Shift us back into that place, Lord. That your dream for the church will become our dream. You wanted a house of prayer. And we align. We want to align. We want to align. Align us. Align us. Put your hand on the person next to you. Start praying. Align our hearts with His. Align our hearts. Align our hearts in this hour, Lord. We don't want to be busy with vain and worthless things. Align us with Your way, Your way, Your Word in this season. We will hold on to Your Word. Even though we feel we have little strength, Lord, but we will worship. We will seek Your face. We will seek Your face, Lord. Align us with the heart of the Lord. Our family, our home, my marriage, my children. Align us, Lord. Give us the strategy in the simplicity of people just sitting together and praying and worshiping. It's the easiest thing to do. But we will touch the glory in a pure, holy, godly way. Raise up this priesthood, Lord. Raise up this priesthood that will not grow weary because they'll encounter you. Let truth be the center, Lord. Jesus, you, the truth, the only truth, just be the center in all of this. And they will come. They will come. They will come. They will come. The last thing I want to share, I said, just keep your eyes like that. Tommy Tenney wrote something, but I actually want to change it. <laughs> Tommy Tenney said the beautiful thing about the tabernacle of David is that believers stand around that ark, right, of the presence. And he said something, it's like they become the veil to the glory. Now I want to change that up a little bit. I, I believe that's true. We are already the veil to the glory. I want to, church, do you hear me? We are the ones veiling the glory. That's not a positive. But something happens when you lift your hands. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, so that the King of glory can come through. Worship in front of that ark will make them see the glory. It's, it opens the veil through the sons and the daughters of God. So let's lift our hands and we just say, we will open the veil. We will not hold the glory, but we'll open it up through our worship and the world will see the glory. They'll see truth and they'll come. So Lord, I thank You for that, Lord. Establish this in our lives. Establish this in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, let Your kingdom come. Let the heart of worship come here as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. Here, release the key, Lord. We pray, release the key of David in a fresh way, Lord, and not just on the worship team, on a house, on the whole house. Release the key of David, Lord, and let the doors open. Let the doors to heaven open. 
the doors to the miraculous, the doors to resurrection life, the doors to salvation, the doors will open through our worship. Release the key, Lord. We will be a dwelling place. Help me, Spirit of God. Say, help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Spirit of God. Help me, Spirit of God, to release the Spirit of worship. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray in the Spirit if you can. Just pray. Pray. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Spirit and truth, 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 come. Spirit and truth, come. Worship in Spirit and truth, come. 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 to fall on us. I don't, I'm not going to call people to the front, but I want you to just open your hands to the Lord. There's a, a psalm, I think it's Psalm 65 in the Passion Translation. It says, the anointing of your presence. There's an anointing of the presence. It's like a special grace. <laughs> the anointing of the presence. And Lord, I pray that the oil of the anointing of your presence we just come upon people right now. Receive as if somebody's laying hands on you in the front here. The anointing of your presence fill the room, fill it. Anoint us, anoint worship, anoint worshipers, anoint, give us the heart of worship, anoint us. The worst singers, I'm the worst singer, but I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper, but I cannot sing, but I'm a worshiper. Anoint us. 
Let the oil flow, even on the hands, even on the head. Let the oil flow. I actually believe some of you are going to find oil on your hands. Supernatural oil is just going to start happening. So Lord, let the oil flow. Let it flow. The fatness of heaven, let it come. Worshippers, worshippers, worshippers. The oil of worship in this house. Worshippers that will worship in spirit and truth. Worshippers of the King. No agenda. Worshippers of the King. Let the oil flow. Let the oil flow in Jesus' name. Anoint a company. Anoint the company, Lord. And an oil that will transform the most broken. Transformation anointing, Lord, because of worship. Because of the presence, let it flow. Flow over their heads, flow over their hands. Let their hearts burn even at this moment. Some of you are going to feel fire on your hearts. Some of you want to explode. That's beautiful. Explode. Just explode. Just explode. Shout to the Lord. Whatever you want to do, explode. Explode in worship. Sing it to him, sing it to him. singing this just keep singing this but as you sing it like healing is flowing in the room not because we want healing but the healer is here deliverance is moving in the room because the deliverer is here restoration in marriages is here because he's here worship him and trust we see the healing flow we see the grace of God flow right there where you are Healing is being released. Freedom is being released. But it's Him. It's all Him. It's always been Him. It's Him. It's Jesus.
as a whole company of Israel united their heart around a king and came into alignment with the way and the ways of God. Even though it was a future picture, He allowed David to experience it then. And the promise of the Scripture of the Psalms is when that brethren dwell where? In the presence in unity. The oil 
of his presence will pour down on the priesthood, down over the head, through the beard, even onto the robes of Aaron. There is a release of the presence of God over the priesthood of believers as they unite their hearts and align themselves in accordance with the way and the ways of God. And we release that now, Lord. That oil that Hank was speaking about, it is that. Down on the heads, down on the hands, through the beard, over the robes, as this company of people and others like it around the world start to tabernacle with you, Lord, and seek your face, this one thing, your face, your glory, your presence, your face, your glory, your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. been sitting with a picture of an inpouring that is continuous and what's happening is the gunk that's in these vessels that we call ourselves as the Lord pours in that stuff is brought to the surface and it flows out there's a sense in which the Lord is saying for many of us, we've been carrying shame. It's pouring in. It's moving that out. It's flowing out. Inadequacies of various things. You know what's in your heart. And the Lord is just saying, as we come into His presence, as we dwell there, there's an ongoing inpouring that is not to fill you up. <laughs> it's to overflow. So what's in there that's not of Him gets washed out.
just been, there's just uh, this picture that has been lingering as I was standing there. Um, it's a picture that the Lord um, showed me last week while we had a prayer in the farm. So as we're praying, um, we're praying about, about sonship and and the Lord just showed me this picture of how it looks like when, when we step into sonship. And I just saw a picture of, 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 of a two-row, just like in the, in the fire tunnel where we were standing and facing one another. And in that, there was so much unity in us. And out of that, a river of water just burst as we were standing. It was just flowing between us. And as the river was flowing, people were so hungry to jump inside the river. And there was nothing that we had to do as we were standing. But we were just pouring love on him. just like to encourage you that this week and the weeks to come 
there's going to be promptings, there's going to be impresses of the Spirit as He as He beckons, He allures you to come and watch for them. Be aware that they're coming. Let's be sensitive to what's happened this morning and not walk out here and think it's going to just be the same as always. No, it's not. He is alluring you. He's, he's attracting you to the place of His presence. That's how He does it. He's the most kind, most gentle. He, he will call you, beckon you. Come, come with me. Come away with me, my love. I'm asking you to respond. Because every time you respond in obedience, you get to hear even clearer. You get to respond even more. One call and yes, and then it's another and it's yes. And yes becomes easier. And I, I'm asking you just to be very aware of Him saying, come away with me, my love. My beautiful one. That's what he thinks of you. Please be sensitive. It's not same old, same old when you walk out this door. We believe in the shifts of God. These were the shifts of God. These were the shifts of God. Cody, the first thing that attracted you to that beautiful Panamanian girl was what, son? Was worship. The Lord wants to remind you. You fell in love with him over the phone because you recognize his love of Jesus. That's worship. And you both acknowledge that your heart for mission was the same, but that wasn't what made you love one another. It was how you worshiped Jesus and how he loved him over the phone. And he just says, don't ever forget that's what matters. It's not the mission. As much as the mission is the most beautiful, wonderful, I mean, the blessings of obedience, you need to know, they overwhelm you like a tidal wave. You can't believe what happens when you just say yes. It's like it dumps you, His goodness over you. So it's an astounding thing just to say yes. But don't forget what made you love each other first. It was your love of a king. Because you can go to the ends of the earth. That's what sustains you. That's what sustains you. Phew. For those who would like, I'm going to release you to go and have coffee. If you wouldn't like, you're welcome to stay. Thank you, Ink.
Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.